pre-iOS 14.5, I might go in and look at Facebook first thing and make decisions based on that. Now, you know, I'm typically starting a day looking at what's the Shopify overall. Facebook's still useful, but the reality is like at the lower level, when you're doing tests in the short term or spending small amounts, because Facebook data is delayed and because they're using conversions that are modeled, unless you spend a lot, you're not going to be seeing the direct results of the first touch attribution on your ads like you would if you're using Facebook, GA, and then these third-party tools that we're going to talk about all kind of together. I think in a lot of ways we're a lot stronger than we once were because we've become comfortable with countless more signals. Hey retailers, ever feel like your shopper experience feels just like everyone else's? Here's an idea. Put your shopper first with the only personalization platform that is purpose-built for retailers. Bluecore combines retail data and predictive intelligence to match online shoppers with the products they will buy next across channels like email, site, paid media, social, and SMS. Automate and scale your personalized content offers and recommendations for each shopper in a one-on-one -on -one individualized experience. Visit bluecore.com to see why brands like Noble, Express, and Bliss have gone shopper first to drive repeat purchases and increase customer lifetime value. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. It's Wednesday. I'm slightly under the weather, but hanging in there with Pilot House co-founder Kyle Hitchcocks, as well as senior media buyers Taylor and Grayson. Welcome to All Killer No Filler, guys. This conversation kind of came together uh, when Grayson made some observations about some accounts that he was kind of looking into, and, and he got a sense that there's still a lot of advertisers out there who are using Facebook's on-signal platforms to make their day-to-day -day decisions, potentially their longer-term monthly budgeting decisions, um, as if iOS 14.5 didn't happen. So I wanted to just have a conversation with some of the stakeholders on our side who are really deep into the attribution side of things and talk about what it is that we're doing, what sort of platforms we've used, and what, what sort of attribution looks like, let, you know, what is this now, three or four months after the iOS 14.5 apocalypse. Grayson, do you want to just start us off a little bit about what, what you're kind of seeing in the space? For sure, yeah. So like Facebook's still useful, especially if you're looking at like account-wide or campaign-wide data that's like super long-term or you're at a, like a high spend where you're getting tons and tons of data in. But the reality is like at the, at the lower level, so like ad set or definitely like ad level, when you're doing tests in the short term or spending small amounts, you know, because Facebook data is delayed, and because they're using conversions that are modeled, unless you spend a lot, you're not gonna be seeing the direct results of like the first touch attribution on your ads like you would if you're using Facebook, GA, and then these third-party tools that we're gonna talk about all kind of together. So if you're just spending on a creative campaign, you're sitting, you're testing eight different creatives, you spend it for like a week, um, whatever your, your 2X AOV is per day, um, if you get like five conversions off that, what you're seeing in Facebook at the ad level could be completely different than, you know, what's truly driving your, your performance. And when you're like benchmarking those ads side by side, you know, those two conversions matter a ton when you're deciding, you know, if this UGC creative is best or if this, you know, static ad is best. You mentioned something there too, just to back up for listeners who may not be fully adepts at, at this digital marketing thing, 2x AOV as sort of a benchmark for what you're willing to spend on a creative. Is that sort of, I know it's everyone has different rules for that, but is that sort of like the standard benchmark you're talking about there? 
Yeah, just like as a, a very bare minimum, if you're just like doing a huge contrast test of like very different creatives, you know, there's tons of different testing schemes you could do depending on your your spend and stuff. But I'd say that's like the very bare minimum you want to do daily. What are some of these dangerous things that you could be like looking at on Facebook right now, taking as gospel and then potentially eventually getting burned by in the end? Yeah. So like on the Facebook side with those model conversions, like I said, like what we're seeing is conversions piling up, usually related to click costs and spend. Facebook knows a purchase happened in the campaign, but they just don't know exactly which ad it happened on. Or it's you know signaling that you got a view conversion off of a top of funnel campaign that you think is is top of funnel, but really it's you know also hitting bottom of funnel users that are kind of blind in the system due to iOS 14. Because remember in iOS 14, your exclusion audiences and your inclusion audiences are both affected by the lack of targeting. So on the Facebook side, we're seeing those conversions pile up on the top spenders or the lowest click cost uh, ads in that campaign. But then when we look at GA and we look at these third-party tools, you know, they're telling us different signals. GA, is, as an example, it's last touch. So it's going to show you just like the bare truth. So it's probably going to show you less than Facebook. And because it's last touch, you need to be careful too around, you know, what's really driving that, that sale. If it's just someone who was, like I said, a bottom of funnel person that you thought was top of funnel, that could also be driving some conversions there that aren't what you're testing for. But as an example, yeah. GA and our third-party tracking is, is showing different results than Facebook dramatically. Taylor, were you going to add anything there? Yeah, I was going to share an example, actually. We launched a uh, very successful promo with a client that I media buy with just this past week. There we, we use a customer survey as well to gather direct data from the customer about how they heard about the brand. That's where we back a lot of the data as we're looking at all these holistic signals. Just for context, in Facebook Ads Manager reporting, we saw that there were 71% less assigned conversions compared to what our third-party data source showed. And if we look at the trend lines in GA, where we're seeing more direct click sales, as well as customer survey, we can see that there was a growth line for the brand overall that aligns with the scaling that we did, particularly at top of funnel. So the risk there, as Grayson alluded to, is missing out on some of those opportunities to look at some of that first touch data, what's really moving the needle, and seeing how you can grow pretty aggressively there at lower cost. Hey guys, I'm really curious, what's changed for you as buyers from kind of when it first hit through to kind of today? What was that transition as a, as a buyer in brackets, losing that data, you know, the data was scrambled and you got half of it. Um, what was that process to get to where we are? I know for us, we've always had the mentality of, we think through like an incremental lens. We've always looked at it that way. Like, what are we really adding as far as value to the store by running our ads and scaling our ads? Um, what kind of lift are we seeing? But before iOS 14.5, in a lot of cases, it was easier to rely on the direct data in, say, Ads Manager and looking more on our day-to-day, just specifically at that and scaling based on that data. Since we've well, seen we were, this... We were looking like hourly. I mean, we were refresh nuts. I think we were making, you know, a lot of our buying strategies were high-volume creative, cut it really fast, um, surely transitioning out of that into kind of a, a different pilot house method. Exactly. You mentioned the week is something I just heard on a podcast uh, pre-interview I did today. I bet I like just needing to give things that full time window rather than you know putting a lot of volume through short times. I've I've heard that come up as a theme that's sort of the way people have needed to adapt to sort of break out to like longer time periods potentially. Can you guys expand on that? Yeah, sure. I mean the first the first half of it is like the algorithm side. So like because Facebook isn't as smart anymore. Um, you know, it doesn't have the, all that that info on people. 
it's taking longer for those campaigns on the on the Facebook Ads Manager side to get that kind of momentum and get into those audiences that are really valuable top of funnel. And then on the data side on our side, everyone knows Facebook has, you know, a delay for one. But because like all that data is spotty and like I was saying how like, you know, especially in those like early testing phases, if a couple conversions are swaying the needle and, and telling you dramatically which angle is doing best, you know, you're gonna need more data to be coming in to kind of like fill that gap if that makes sense. I wanna dive into the third party uh, sort of tools that we've used to mitigate this, but I'm, I'm just curious, like what are there still, I know again that every buyers have, have different methods, but what are the metrics that are on the Facebook platform that can still be used as those canaries in the coal mine or leading indicators? Yeah, I mean, there's still like a lot that you can use. We lean more, I'd say, into a blended approach, looking at trends and shifts rather than specifically relying on a, on what the specific metric is, for example. I, I think the biggest thing is just more so the lens we're looking at it through now. That's shifted quite a bit. And uh, you can still gain relative data valuable to how you're measuring overall store lifts and things like that, too, and what you see in GA. That's Google Analytics for any noobs out there. Always like to specify the acronyms. Taylor, can, can you be very specific? Like you've shifted the lens. Talk about what that lens is. Share with the listeners exactly what we're doing with GA, with our third-party tools and Facebook. What does that correlation look like? And, and where's that instinctual decision-making coming from? Yeah, so I mean, I, like I think the easiest way to frame it is a day-to-day. Pre-iOS 14.5, you know, I might go in and look at Facebook first thing and make decisions based on that. Primarily, maybe a quick look at Shopify, but that's really what I'm looking through. Now, you know, I'm typically starting a day looking at what's the Shopify overall? What's the up-down number on that? And then I'll go into GA, usually using the source medium report under acquisition. You can go in and take a look at your UTMs. You can drill into the campaign level if you're tracking that in your ads using UTMs. Highly recommend if anybody isn't doing that. And then you can go in and look at, early in the day, we might look at time on site, the session depth. We might look at bounce rate and see where the best pockets are. We'll look at how that compares to longer term. And then we'll try to gauge, okay, like how do we want, we want to make decisions to either preserve or scale budget today based on the data that we're seeing. And then when we look at Ads Manager, having looked at those other sources already, I have a good idea of what the benchmarks are. You know, if I've been working for with a brand for a couple of months or, or a little bit longer, I have a really good idea of what do the numbers look like in an upswing? What do they look like in a downswing? And then we'll look at how those metrics compare basically to the gut check, as well as going back and looking at previous days, previous weeks. You know, if I've been doing a day-to-day for a while, how does this day-to-day stack up against the longer-term window? What might be missing? And how do I want to make those decisions based on that? That's kind of the process there for cases where we're not using something like a third-party uh, data partner. I'm going to chime in too really quick, like relying on your sources of truth. So like building on what Taylor said about, you know, using all those. Now we have like 10 tabs open and we're, we're looking through all our data to understand what's going on. You know, at the end of the day, like, you know, that last tab, the most important one is your Shopify. Um, so like it's all kind of tethered towards that, right? So it's like, at the end of the day, like, what's your efficiency at? What is it usually at at this time? And then understanding did an email blast go out today? So you got to be really coordinated with your team too to understand, you know, where their traffic sources are coming from. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're spending more and you're seeing that incremental lift, you know, day by day, then even if you can't see the signals in Facebook or GA or whatever you're using. As long as you can be certain and you're using your source of truth, it's from you. So if you're making money, keep spending, baby. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. Performance marketers credo. We all know how tough the past 12 months have been with supply chain and marketing costs rapidly rising. 
Ecom World is your secret weapon to help your brand get back on track and make this year your best year ever. Ecom World is hosting an online event that will arm you with the strategies you need to grow your D2C brand profitably. Meet experts like Kellen Fitzgerald, head of Ecom at Glow Recipe, and Davy Fogarty, CEO of The Udi, as well as 80 other Ecom experts who are paving the way in D2C. Get their step-by-step -step strategies to optimize the growth of your Ecom brand right now. D2C listeners receive 30% off the ticket price, so head over to ecomworldconference.com slash DTC to get your ticket now. That's ecomworldconference.com slash DTC. I want to dive into, you know, you mentioned the those numbers that we actually saw in terms of the sort of data loss we're seeing top of funnel and bottom of funnel um, and how we kind of, we've corrected that a little bit with uh, with third-party vendors. I want to dive into like actually what we do when we have that data. But first, Taylor, can you start a little bit by telling the audience, like, you know, rhyme off some of the uh, the data partners that we have sort of evaluated and, and looked, looked into, tested, because I know there's a bunch in the space right now. Yeah, so um, the four major ones are uh, Northbeam.io, SegmentStream, uh, Rockerbox and Hyros. And from a high level, what are these tracker platforms, you know, purporting to do? Yeah, the major thing with these ones is their uh, MTA or multi-touch attribution ones. Um, they focus on using either stitching or modeling or a combination of both, based on first-party data that goes to the site and potentially anything kind of within their network of trend lines and stuff like that as well at the platform. And then they work to basically aim to fill the gaps and show an agnostic view of what is moving the needle. Each platform's a little bit different in terms of features and elements like that, what that mission statement might look like, uh, but that's ultimately what they all aim to aim to do. Now, what when we do implement them, like what what are we actually what what actions are we taking when we get data for instance that uh, the top of funnel ROAS is 71% higher than what Facebook is reporting? Yeah, so I mean for us, like I, I do want to note a big caveat there is that on our end, we're always skeptical of everything that we're looking at. We And it really shows the importance of looking at eROAS and ecosystem and making sure you're creating some benchmarks internally. That's what really, I think, dictates the success of brands when it comes to allocating budget in this new world. Um, but once, you know, as we're looking through, like a good example and with that case, we have the customer survey running at the same time. I'm looking at the trend line there and the other trend lines in the store. Once we're able to back that out and we see that and we can see that there's common patterns between the sources we're looking at, um, then that's when we start to say, hey, let's scale this and see how we're pushing for that, uh, basically where we can keep scaling it to. Taylor, I know we partnered with a few of these companies and you know providing these services and training to, to our clients, uh, especially on our scales, our scale clients. In your you know honest, transparent opinion, like how often is this successful and how often do these platforms work on their own without that additional uh, you know, personal or gut or, you know, as Grayson said, having 10 tabs open of different. Yeah, multi-tab approach. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about the, that experience, guys, and then maybe a recommendation at the end in terms of how to approach it with and without a, a data partner? Yeah, I think like trans transparently from my, my perspective, um, I think like at the end of the day, I transparently probably wouldn't look solely at that one source without at least getting some sort of gut check on, on everything else. I mean, usually it can be pretty quick to tell if you've been looking at your Shopify data recently and things like that, you can see, you know, does the overall match up? 
does this generally feel like it makes sense based on, you know, when I launched an email blast and what happened in the store then? And did I see some sort of weird direction with traffic in this one? The key here is that because it leverages first party data and there's usually modeling going on along with stitching, there can be certain bias um, there at times. And so it, it does take some gut check in, in my eyes to make sure that you're feeling confident in it. Um, what is stitching, by the way? Again, for the new both, and for me in this case, is it stitching things like stitching your IP to, to you know to where your IP has been seen a few times? Is that what it is? Exactly, yeah. So it's it's stitching parts of the journey based on signals like IP, and um, IP is usually one of the top ones that comes up. More than anything, it's about getting that detailed understanding of what is this attribution model in this representing, and what is happening behind the scenes there as much as you can get from the platform. So having a baseline level of understanding, though, like it, at the end of the day, there's tons of value. Um, that we've found from getting familiar and comfortable enough with it and looking at some of the even the high level patterns from what I've seen as far as then being confident to scale some of those first touch pockets that can be really hard to see with data loss in this modern environment. And Grace, I'm interested if you have. Yeah, I was just going to mention that like, you know, they're still algorithmic in nature. So like they build these algorithms for, you know, general use, but you really need to like dig in and like work with them to make sure that you know, depending on your AOV or like what your touch points are typically with your brand that like they're valuing those touches accordingly to how it's driving people down the funnel and not just kind of like generally. Obviously, it still can work. But There's no one size fit all solution. There's no silver bullet is, is what I'm hearing. The AI isn't ready to take over. It still needs that human touch, which I love to hear. Uh, Grayson, you also mentioned another way of sort of gut checking I don't, I, the, the platform specifically regarding geotesting. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, if you don't have one of these platforms or if you do and you're trying to test it out, like one, one way to do that to, again, be that guy who's just uh, slamming the source of truth button um, is, is geotesting. So like on Snapchat, this is something we would typically do because Snapchat doesn't play nice with GA. It's a very first touch oriented platform and that's like kind of their pitch is that it's first touch so you know they're not going to be there when you're plugging in the promo code etc so what like high level what you want to do is take certain states that you have historical data on in Shopify understand that data on your other platform as well get those benchmarks and then you know depending on how much like what scale you're at what risk appetite you have as far as pausing up your the majority of your spend on your main states you want maybe want to choose like secondary states that have very consistent revenue volumes but are still you know big enough that they have volume where you have enough data to work with so you take those secondary states get those benchmarks and then essentially you know you set up all your tracking and you push spend to those states in particular and you know minimize your spend or keep it the same as it always would be and that way you're seeing the actual lift of your traffic from that specific increase in spend and then you see on your platform kind of what that looks like. You know, Grayson, it's funny. Uh, you started working with us in the era of the pixel and your you know career has been built on it. Um, really, it's funny. Like, Eric, that just sounds to me like how we used to buy traffic. You'd, you'd, you'd spend broadly. You'd cut in on device type, on screen size, on states. You'd go into cities. Um, you'd find anything you could to optimize on. And it, it's... Um, it just reminds me of how we used to buy, to be honest, you know, six, seven years ago. So really happy to hear that you guys are, are finding every way possible to, to make that conversion happen. 
it comes down to incrementality, right? And I think this is something, Taylor, you hit on, but it's, and you were just finishing up with it, Grayson. Like, it, it, you just really have to focus all of your, you just have to f- narrow down the variables so that you can just look as cleanly as you can at whether you're driving incremental revenue. One more question for me, guys. Um, how is your creative selection, creation, and testing methodology shifted? You know, what are you doing this month that is different than before? I touched on at the beginning, but, you know, allowing that creative to breathe. And if you mentioned that, Eric, letting your, your tests spend for longer, making sure if you're doing those creative contrast tests that you're not just looking at Facebook at the ad level and you're seeing what's actually like, you know, driving people to that purchase. I would say also like getting extra contrast with it. So this kind of goes with like all, all data loss. It could go for like pages or ad copy or whatever you're testing. But when you have data loss, you know, it's really, really nice to hyper contrast so that the changes are as big as possible. Like the smaller or more iterative the, the test is, the more data you need, you need to have. So the more contrasted you can be, you can kind of speed up or, you know, get clear data. And then you can fine tune on the winners with some of the, the smaller details, I imagine, right? You find those big, clear angles, the big, clear headlines. You can drill in on the, on the smaller details. Exactly. Like once you're willing to spend into something that you know generally works, then you can also slam spend that, right? And then you can, you know, polish out that that uh, that angle. Slam spend. I that's a new term. <laughs> I hadn't heard it to this podcast. I love it. From your perspective, Kyle, are you seeing what are you seeing in the in the in the creative side of things? Same fundamentals. Um, instead of making you know twenty assets in a week for a company, we're making eight. And we're, we're testing them longer. I think that there's, uh, our testing budgets are, are longer and they're sitting there without such swift decision making. And I think like Grayson said, the importance of this contrast idea has become very important. I think brands are also coming around to this idea where performance in bracket, you know, in some cases for a lot of companies has, has decreased. Um, you know, is that, is that an actual decrease or is it just on platform shifts and has, does that create a panic? But what we're seeing is a lot more flexibility with creative decision-making around brand and companies are (laughs) one of our clients who's a stickler. We love them. Um, you know, let us throw spaghetti on their product the other day (laughs) because we just needed to test some, some, some really weird contrasty stuff to, to see if it would, you know, move the needle. And so literally throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks literally, literally in this throwing case. spaghetti against the wall. I love it. Yeah. Uh, than the I don't know how it did. We won't comment there, but we're just seeing a lot of creativity and how people are solving problems and, you know, we're all coming together to do it and clients are proactive around, you know, change and understanding and the fact that, uh, you know, the market has, has shifted a little bit, but uh, we're getting by. Taylor, anything else to add on the, you know, how your workflow, your process has changed in regards to creative testing and scaling? I think these guys hit it on the head. Yeah, we've adapted where we need to adapt. We're, I think in a lot of ways, we're a lot stronger than we once were because we've uh, we've become comfortable with just countless more signals. Um, and we're leaning into that and we're looking at patterns and trends. We're leveraging filters, et cetera, et cetera, to find, um, find as much data as we can and make those decisions. You know, as, a, as an organization, we, we've certainly leaned into this, you know, looking for the silver bullet, whether we found it or not, we don't know. 
but uh, we're looking at as many signals and indicators as possible on an ongoing basis. And we've even, Taylor's moved into a technical manager role specifically for Facebook. So he's on the hunt for the silver bullet. So if anyone's got it out there, let us know what it is. But until then, we will uh, use Shopify as our source of truth. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.